0: Hello, this is Zach Cherian. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. We are really excited to bring you this teaching. Please open your heart, and if you can, your Bibles, and receive this word from the Lord, recorded live at Brazen Grace Fellowship. Praise God. Are you all ready for the word today? Let's do it. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord. That the floodgates, the floodgates are open over me. I receive the reign of your favor. I receive the reign of, of prosperity. I receive your healing reign. I receive the reign of peace. The reign of revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Romans chapter 8, I felt really strongly led by the Lord to teach on something that I want us to understand those of us who believe we are new covenant believers. Any of those in this house today? And um, I I want us to understand something because there are some things that need to be taught from the word for us to get understanding and revelation from it. How many of you know things don't happen just automatically? Amen. Your, Your faith is just as big as your revelation of God. Amen. Amen? Amen. So if your revelation of God is that He has forgiven your sins, then that's as far as your revelation goes. And sadly, a lot in the grace camp are stuck right there. But the good thing about the forgiveness of sin is that the forgiveness of sin also brings prosperity. The forgiveness of sin also brings healing. And the grace message is incomplete Without you understanding the benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgives all my sins. Amen? And heals all my diseases. Unless you understand the benefits, grace is just a cute theology. So it really isn't just understanding the fact that I'm forgiven. It's understanding all the good stuff that comes from it. But for some of us, we understood the benefits, but we didn't understand why we were benefited by those things. Hello? Those of you that came from the faith camp, you knew that God wanted to bless you. God wanted to do this, but you never understood why God wanted to do this. And so when the grace message came and it gave me perspective. It gave us understanding to why God wants to bless us, why God wants to heal us. In the same way, the message of grace is incomplete without the message of the kingdom. The message of grace is incomplete without the message of the kingdom. What do I mean by that? The message of grace is the finished work of Jesus. The finished work of Jesus. But the message of the kingdom is what you do from operating from that place of the finished work. Earlier, you were trying to win the lost, weren't you? I mean, you've always been trying to win the lost on the day you got saved. But you felt you were striving, you were struggling, you were praying for the sick to get healed, and you get disappointed, you go home and get mad when stuff don't happen. Why? Because you were putting the emphasis on yourself, and then they go home and check your own faith. Come on, how many have done that? They didn't get healed. Let me go see. I guess I don't have enough faith today. And we always put the emphasis on our spirituality, on our life. When we came to grace, we understood it is finished. So my place of operation, it's not that I don't pray for the sick anymore now that I came to grace. I actually pray for the sick a lot more. But I pray for the sick from the place of the fact that I am anointed. I don't pray from the place of I'm trying to get anointed. I am anointed. Come on now. Amen. I am not operating or laboring or or working for the Lord from the place of striving. I'm doing from the place of seating. Come on now. So really the message of grace is not that it is finished, so sit down and go home. The message is it is finished, now He empowers me in Him, through Him, by Him, to do everything He can do and more. Amen. Come on now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8, let's read from verse number 14. I want us to understand, because if we don't understand this, grace will just be a cute theology. Uh, you know, the, I sent this to my, some of my guys, there was an update about how, Grace is really about me being complete and I, will, I, I, I don't care if I ever get blessed another day in my life. I don't care if I get sick and never get healed. But I thank God that I'm complete in Him. That is not being complete in Him. Hello? Amen? Being complete in Him is being as He is on this earth. Amen. 1 John four seventeen says, As Jesus is, so am I in this world. Hello? So we can look at every trouble and tribulation that comes and go, well, I must be doing something good. The devil's mad at me. now. I don't want the devil coming in my zip code because he's terrified of me.
1: Amen.
0: Hello? Amen. Now, I know the religious system is fighting the message really hard because it's tough to change your mindset about a lot of things that you have been raised in all your life. How many of you just had, you know, when, you, when it came to you, like, this is too good to be true. Amen. Come on now. That was me. I was in ministry for many, many years, many, many years. And then we were of the, of the, of the persuasion of the if it be thy will, God.
1: <laughs>
0: and so if people get healed, it was God's will. If people don't get healed, I guess it wasn't God's will. Yeah. We become victims of this sovereignty of God theology. And I've said this many times, the sovereignty of God is not his excuse to be bad. If we don't understand the fullness of the message, the fullness of the message, then we miss the whole point. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. If you're there, give me a loud yes sir. yes, sir. But as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Notice the spirit of bondage is a small letter S, the capital in the spirit of adoption. Come on now. Amen. Amen. By whom we cry out. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be what? Glorified. Glorified with him. When did you suffer with him? I was very scared of that verse all my life. When did you suffer with him? When he suffered on the cross. Hello. Yeah. When were you glorified with him? When he, when he was glorified on the cross. Come on, talk to me. Amen. Amen. Put your head up your head say, so Stinking, thinking. You've got to go. I receive revelation. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. When we teach, I'm going to teach today on a, on a series that I'm going to do for a couple of weeks called Orphans and Sons. And I want us to understand today as I teach on this concept of the spirit of sonship. Because if we don't understand the spirit of sonship, everything in grace, it'll, it'll be kind of like a reactive thing. When stuff happens, you look to God. And then throughout the life, and, and then the Monday through Friday, we have no relationship with God. And we turn on that button. See, you can't turn on, turn on and off the switch, the sun button. You are son, and God decided that you are going to be a son, and that's not going to change anything. So before I teach on sonship, and while some of you new people are like, sonship, what about daughters? Well, you feminists, just hold it for just a second. (laughs) Sonship in the Bible is not talking in the area of sex of a person. It's talking as an identity or as as a place of authority. Amen? Amen. So for that matter, in Galatians chapter... Three, something where it says there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek. In in the Hebrew or in the Greek, the word for male, female, it calls both of them sons. So sonship is not speaking of men only. It's speaking of men and women. So now in Christ, we become man. Amen. Uh Just like Eve was already in Adam. Uh God didn't come up with Eve out of nowhere. God came up with Eve, it said he took him out of man. I I heard someone preach, it's not good for man to be alone. And he broke that word, all one. And so then God takes woman out of man. Amen? Because if you notice, he speaks to man and he says, them. In Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, it says, let them. There was no them. It was only Adam. But see, when we come in Christ, that differentiation that was there between man and woman is now pulled down. Now every man, woman in Christ is a new man. Make sense? You are a new man. Well, well, I don't, that, it's, not, it's not about male, female. So if you, if you go through that, you'll sit here all your life wondering, well, I wish, no, 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 no. For those of you feminists that have a problem, that you're a son, don't worry, all of us men are going to be his bride one day. Amen. Amen. <laughs> when you teach on sonship, most of even my personal life when i teach on sonship i teach on sonship as an identity and sonship is an identity sonship is an identity because romans chapter let's keep reading in romans chapter 8 verse number romans chapter 8 verse number 19 romans 8 verse 19 for the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of god For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him was subjected in hope. What is the hope? That the sons of God will reverse that. Amen. Because creation itself will also be delivered up from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the who? Children Children of God. Who is the children of God? That's who we are. So who is the one that breaks the corruption off of this earth, off of this world? Talk to me. We are. It's not waiting for God to come back. Jesus is not going to come and wipe out this earth and make a new earth because it's gone so bad. Jesus is waiting for us to fulfill our original mandate given in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, I believe it is. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion. So Jesus is coming back, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, for a glorious church. Not a wimpy church hanging in a corner waiting for Jesus to come and take them out of this place. Whichever side of that theology you stand on, the truth is Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. A glorious church. Where what is your eschatology, preacher? I'll tell you what my eschatology is. The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Says Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. That's what I believe. How is it going to be a glorious church? How is the earth going to be filled with the glory of God? Because in the Garden of Eden, God's original intent was that the garden be filled with his glory. Just as it is in the garden, which was what? A picture of heaven and earth. So God wants us to make the rest of the earth look like that. And so God makes Adam a son, makes him in charge of that. And because Adam was a son of God, small letter S, for those of you that are freaking out, small letter S. There is only one capital letter S, son, and that is Jesus. But we are all sons of God, small letter S. In English, that's the only way to differentiate from from him and us. But when the creation, when the sons of God find out this identity of who they are in Christ, when they get a revelation of who they are, Romans chapter 8 says, once you get a revelation of who you are, you break the curse that's upon the land. Hello. You break the curse that's upon the land. Only a manifested son can have dominion over creation. What is a manifested son? It's one who gets the full revelation of who he is. In Ephesians, is this too deep? Y'all are just staring at me like what? In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says that pray that the eyes of your understanding may get the grasp by the spirit of wisdom and revelation. This is really important spirit of wisdom and revelation why so that you can understand the full purpose grace was not given to you so you can know you are forgiven and then die and go home to heaven grace was given to you so you can know who you are and so that once god can do away with the two things that stood in our way sin and the law both were put on the body of jesus and the bible says he has removed it out of the way That wall of separation has been pulled down. No longer is the wall standing in your way. That's why once he removes and has done away with the sin problem and done away with the law. Now what is stopping the believer from manifesting? Only one thing. Ignorance. What is the opposite of ignorance? Revelation Revelation knowledge. Come on now. Revelation. That's why church is so important, folks. It is my job from the word of God to unravel not just who Jesus is, but to unravel who you are in Jesus. Because if you don't understand your identity, you will miss your destiny. No believer who doesn't know his identity can fulfill their destiny. So my question to you is this, what is your destiny? Listen to me carefully. You may have many specific things to be a doctor, engineer, teacher, whatever. But your specific destiny from God has always been be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. So do you realize that in that job that you're working, your job may not seem very significant, but to God, you are a dominion person. You're somebody who walks in dominion, meaning that place where you are at, God expects you to establish his dominion, his kingdom in that area. Your home is supposed to be a place of heaven on earth not the gym home is so much hell so everybody runs to the gym to have some peace of mind you missed the point your marriage was supposed to be a picture of heaven on earth are you listening to me why because whatever you are aware of or whatever is revealed to you you ooze out you manifest so if your revelation of God is that he's a judge, he comes to condemn, he comes to kill, he comes to destroy. You're looking at me like, who would say such a thing about God? Most of the church. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Most of the church. Most people are waiting for America to be judged by God. As if Jesus forgot something on the cross. When he said, it is finished, what was he saying? God has poured out his wrath on Jesus once and forever. God's not looking for an excuse to judge you, burn you. Amen. Amen. Come back with me to identity. It is important that you understand your true identity because until you find out your identity, you will never fulfill your destiny.
1: Right, right. You're right.
0: Destiny is really what it's all about. Identity is really what it's all about. And Jesus is trying to make you be a manifestation of just like it is in heaven. What is it that makes heaven heaven? It's Jesus. Amen. The sweets of gold don't make heaven heaven. Listen to me. The mansions up and go. I got a mansion just over the hill. Somehow there's hilltops up there too. And then, th- th- what is your hope? If your hope is about getting out of here, then you'll be useless down here. It's like the people that God calls them to be faithful to one thing, but they're already dreaming and planning the other thing. You will never be faithful to that which God has given you while you're already planning the other stuff. Would you like to employ a guy to come work for you while he's already writing resume on the first day he comes to work for you for the next job? Take your resume and go where you belong. Make sense? If we become so conscious of going to heaven rather than bringing heaven down here, we will not fulfill our destiny. This is really important. And so what will the devil do? The devil will make you so conscious of everything bad going down here. So the only thing you pray for is, oh, God, take me out of here. Right.
1: Right. Yeah, you're right.
0: It seems like a really nice thing to do. But really, what happens? We don't fulfill our destiny. You're
1: right.
0: uh-huh. And here's the funny thing about destiny. God doesn't need all that many years for you to fulfill destiny. He can do it in a day. He can manifest glory. Well, you don't know how old I am, preacher. See, you missed the point. How long do you think Jesus needs to transform the earth? Let me ask you this question. Couldn't Jesus have done it? When Jesus died, when Jesus defeated Satan, when Jesus broke the curse of the earth. Come on, talk to me. Did he do that? Huh? Why did the thorns go into his head? So that the ground, the ground, the curse over it could be broken once and forever. God was not just dealing with the law. If he was, it was only for the Jews. God was dealing all the way back to the Garden of Eden. That's why it includes all of us. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Amen. <laughs> Y'all look at me, this guy's been preaching and teaching up some stuff lately. It all makes sense, I promise you. Listen to me. Because if we miss this point, then we're always looking for something better over there, something better over there. That's why the message of your identity is important because what you're looking for is not over there, it's in here. Why is the message of identity important? Because only a son of God can transform the earth. It took a son of God to break it. But Hebrews 10 says, he's waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool. Now let me ask you this. Did he defeat his enemies? He did defeat them. But who is the one that makes his enemies a footstool? We are. So really the message of grace is incomplete. If all you talking about is what jesus did without understanding what he has now put inside of me to accomplish so god didn't hold back nothing from you jesus takes everything that he is and puts it on the inside of you everything that he is and puts it on the inside of you that's why in the new covenant we are not slaves we are sons you want to know the definition of the word son it's the word huyos. First of all, we know that's the word grown son. But here's the something you need to understand about the word huios. The word huios, H-U-I-O-S, means one sharing the same nature and power as the father. Amen. If you were a baby Christian, because you know, well, preacher, you know how long I've been saved. I've only been saved for a month. My friend, I know some Christians have been saved all their life and they're babier than you are. And if we don't understand that as soon as you get saved, thank you my love. As soon as you get saved, God gives you the identity of a grown child. He does not give you the identity of a small baby. In fact, there's two words for for child or for son in the Bible. One is the word huios and the other one is nepios. The nepios is an heir apparent, but not very different from a slave. Who remembers that scripture? Even though he's an heir, is only a servant. He is kept under what? Stewards. But when you and I come to Christ, you're not a nepios. You are a huios. Say Huios. Meaning what? I am a grown, full, mature son. How can you be a full, mature son as soon as you get saved? Because God didn't hold back any part of him. The minute you got saved, he took his full nature, his full power, his full divinity, and put it on the inside of you. Now you can't say, well, I'm just a baby Christian. I'm just growing. The only thing you need to grow in is in the awareness of who you already are. Not trying to get something from God, you have to understand who you already are. So the spirit of revelation is not for God to give you something, some God to give you something that He forgot to give you, but for God to enlighten your eyes for you to see what is already given to me through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Say this: I'm a son. Look at your neighbor and say, What up, son? I'm a son. I'm a grown son because if you don't understand this you will miss the whole point now please go back with me let me as I I pull it back just a little bit it's important that we teach on identity when we teach sonship it's very important it's very important that we understand identity when we teach sonship because without identity you don't fulfill your Destiny. destiny but there is something that is more important in sonship than even your identity There is something that is more important about sonship than even your identity because sonship is number one, a relationship. Sonship is not a password. Sonship is not a little key that you got so you can do all these powerful things. Sonship means you entered into a relationship with a father. The whole point of sonship, how can you be a son without a father? So while we say, I am a son, Demetrius wants to sing, I am a friend of God with the words, I am a son of God, so bad. I said, my church will freak out, boy. We're already freaking him out here. Sonship. There is no sonship without a relationship with a father. So while Jesus came to reveal to us what a son looks like, why did Jesus take on the form of a son? So we could really see what we really are like. Amen. So we could see what we like. Let me say this to you very clearly for all of you that didn't hear me a couple of weeks ago. Jesus did not come in the form of man. Man was created in the form of him. Before... Jesus came in human flesh and manifested on the earth. The Bible says we were created in his likeness and image. So Jesus really came to remind us of what we really look like. But more than that, Jesus also came to reveal what the Father looks like. Because of the law, because of sin... The father had become an angry man. The father had become a master. Because there was no relationship with the father. Yeah. So when Jesus comes to the Hebrews and says, Me and the father are one. Stone him! Remember that in John chapter 10?
1: Yeah.
0: Kill him! Blasphemy! How dare he says, He is one with the father. Yeah. Are you really God! In John chapter 10 and Jesus responds with this and says why are you mad at me being God? Capital G. Doesn't your own law in John chapter 10 call you God's? Small g. Uh If you can't even receive me as the God how will you see him? How will you see yourselves with your identity as being the ones I made you on the earth? Have you ever wondered why he is the king of? Uh And the Lord of? The God of all. You think those God of all gods was the
1: demons?
0: (laughs) You have to understand sonship. Because God didn't hold back anything when he gave man that identity. And you can only understand the father from the place of knowing that you're a loved, beloved son. And your sonship is not affected by what you do or what you don't do. Before Jesus had done a single miracle, the father says, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Because the day you get saved through him, the father says that to you, I'm sorry. He speaks over you and says, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. You're like, but, but, but but, father, I haven't saved anyone to the Lord yet. I mean, I haven't, I haven't done the 21 day fast because once I do that, I'm going to get deep enough for you to call me a son, right? I haven't done the 40 days yet. No, no, no. You are my son. It was even before Jesus went into the wilderness to fast. Uh (laughs) You are my son. Because your sonship is God's love for you. And the more you live in the love of the Father... The more you bask in that identity that the father loves me. And nothing, the, nothing I do can make the father stop loving me. Adam and Eve, you are made in my likeness. You are made in my image. You are just like me. You are living in my love. They were in so much love that the father would come hang out with them. In the cool of the day. In the cool of the day, the father would hang out with them. Do you know Adam had no clue what fear was? Adam had no clue what worry was. Adam has no idea what fear is, what guilt is. And then they decide to not live under the resource of the father's love and start to believe the lie that the devil says, the father really doesn't love you that much. In fact, he kept some stuff away from you. If you want to get as good as he is, you're going to have to do this over here, which is the street, eat it, and you'll become just as great and as mighty as he is. When the father made man, the father was not worried about his own security. When father made man, he made him in his likeness and in his image, not worried of man taking over his kingdom. Because the father doesn't operate in insecurity. I can preach to pastors, come on now. He doesn't operate like that. His mind doesn't work like that. But when you don't trust in the Lord with all your heart and you start leaning on your own understanding, when you don't in all your ways acknowledge him and you start doing your own thing, then you are walking out of that place of living in the fullness of God's love and the Father's love to say, you know what, Father's love and all is great. Let me figure this thing out myself. And then God comes in the cool of the day and Adam hides Religion has been telling us to hide from God for a long time. God is coming with vengeance. God is going to come and he's going to kill. God is going to come and he's going to burn down. God is going to come. And all through the Old Testament, we see God respecting a covenant that was made with man. It's not the nature of God to kill. It was not his nature to destroy. It was never his nature to do those things. His nature was to have relationship and fellowship. It wasn't God's idea for them to go do that. He kept a tree so they have the ability to choose to say what? No. And then man hides behind a bush. I hate that bush. Every religion known to man started back there. Because in that bush, man came up with ideas on how to hide themselves and cover themselves to get back to their original state. And so they find a fig leaf to replace what was once the glory. Leaf, glory. Leaf, glory. Do you know that in that moment when God says, where are you? God wasn't asking for Adam, where are you hiding? God was asking him, how are we, Adam? Are you, going to affect, are you going to let what you did affect what we have? Even now, Adam, you have an opportunity for me to restore that glory back. Yeah. Even now, you have an opportunity to restore that glory back. Adam goes, ah, the woman made me do that. Mm-hmm. Condemnation. Condemnation. It shows me he was still eating from that fruit. Yeah. <laughs> All he had to do was say, Father. Father. You want to know of a story where a son came back and said, Father? (laughs) And what did the father say? Get out of this garden, boy. You have sinned. (laughs) The prodigal story was God's version of what should have really happened if Adam came back and said, Father, Father, I have sinned. You know what the father does? Gives him back everything as if he never even left. Amen. Amen. <sighs> because of our idea of what happened in the garden of eden we see an angry god says, get him out of my house and yet the father was a man standing at the door come back come back come back where is he is he going to keep putting them stupid leaves on <laughs> huh is he going to make fake rings <laughs> Create his own sandals for purity. Make his own little ring to show his authority. Huh? Putting on leaf robes to show his identity. Which is what we've been doing for the last 6,000 years. By coming up with man's effort to cover ourselves and restore us back to our original identity. When all we needed to do was say, Father. Father. And you see the broken heart of God waiting for man. To be restored back, just say, Father, this woman! Why are you hiding? When you hide, you don't understand my heart. When you hide, you don't understand my nature. When you hide, you missed the whole point. Hiding behind a bush. So they can be presentable to God when God comes back like He always did in the cool of the night. And so we show up to God hiding. But I'm here. I'm here. Where are you? I'm here. What you got on you, boy? Fig leaves. You ever wonder why Jesus on a random day was walking in, Jerusalem, in Israel and looks at a fig leaf and just curses the tree? I have an answer. He's had a long beef with that tree. Because that dumb tree represented man's effort to cover himself. Rather than coming to the glory and saying, here I am, I'm messed up. Father. I don't know if you got this when I said it earlier. The prodigal story was God's way of showing man what the garden of Eden would have looked like. If the son came back and said, father, father. In Romans chapter 8, Paul speaking specifically to the Roman people speaks about this concept called the spirit of adoption. You know, there is no law for adoption in the Hebraic law. He had to speak to a Roman because they understood adoption. And if you come back next week, I'll tell you exactly what it is. It is not what you think it is. Verse 16, or 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, what? Abba, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Notice you don't just call him Father God. You call him Abba. My girls have a word they call me, and I love it, they call me Papa. Papa. Somebody heard that and they go, where'd you get that from? I said, that's our way of saying, you're not just my father, biologically, you're my daddy. He's my Papa. We have a deep, intimate relationship. He's not just Father God, he's Papa. In fact, in the Bible... In Genesis chapter 1, when God speaks of God creating man, it calls God Elohim. Elohim meaning what? The creator. But as soon as Adam comes into the scene in Genesis chapter 2, he becomes Yahweh Elohim, Lord God. Yahweh is the one who is the covenant keeper. The one who keeps promises. God didn't want to just be a creator. He wanted to be a covenant keeper. Meaning what? Relationship. It was always about relationship. It was always about you and me. Me and you. So when you come to him, you don't just call him father. (laughs) You say my Abba. Say it "Abba." Abba. That's Hebrew for a really, really special daddy. My daddy. My God. We don't have a spirit of bondage again to fear. What is it talking about? It's saying when Jesus came, he was revealing the Father to them so much that they just thought the Father can be this good. He can be this nice. And this room is filled with many of you who love Jesus. Yeah! Woo-hoo! Conqueror, hell, death, Jesus! woo whoop, Jesus! Woo! We love the Holy Ghost because He's the one that baptizes. Ha! Ain't no party like the Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't stop. That's right. We love the Holy Ghost. We get grace because grace is not a theology, it's a person, it's Jesus. Well, my question to you is who was Jesus representing when He showed grace? And if Jesus said these words, I came to reveal the Father. I love how Bill Johnson says that he came Jesus came to represent the Father. Break that word up. Re-present the Father. <laughs> to represent him. Why? Cuz their idea of him was a master. Their idea was him was a lawgiver. But you notice why he gave the law? He gave the law so he could show this orphan spirit that was in man. The law of God is perfect. There's nothing wrong with the law. But through the new covenant lens, when we look back at the law, we understand the law came so sin would abound, so man could come to the end of himself. In Romans chapter 7, Paul says, I am a wretch, woe is me. Because the only place you can come to when you live under the law is I'm worthless, I'm useless. Because the only thing the law can show you is your fallen condition. Not your restored glory. The only one who can show you your restored glory is when you look at the mirror with an unveiled eye. We all beholding as in a mirror with an unveiled face. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. You can either live under the law and get a marred view of how miserable you are. And most of us will be like, yep, that's me, amen. What I am daring you to do is look into the mirror of God's glory today. Look into the mirror of Jesus today and say, yeah, that's me. (laughs) Well, preacher, got to be careful now. People are going to get all cocky and proud if you tell them all that good stuff. Do you know God is not insecure about you finding out your identity? God actually takes pleasure in you finding out who you are. God takes pleasure in you finding out who you are. And for the longest time, the Father God has been waiting for these orphans to find out that they are sons. You're not an orphan anymore. You are not an orphan anymore. You have a father 1997, 98, I believe it was. I was in my room spending time with God, and I loved to spend hours. There were times I would spend eight to 16 hours at a stretch alone with God. And I was in one of those encounters when the father came into the room and spoke to me. If that freaks you out, whatever. And the father came into my room and he said, Zach, call me daddy. Let's stick to Father. Call me Daddy. You know how names have meanings and memories rush through your head when you say certain things? I'm sure most of you have great dads. My dad was great, he was just never there. And as soon as I say the word Daddy, I think of someone who's never going to be there for me. Say, Daddy. Hmm? Nah, no, uh-uh. uh-uh. Let's, let's stick to Father. I have this good idea of Father. Father God. So Zach, I didn't. I didn't send my son for you to get saved and clean and cute. I send my son for you to be restored back to me. The whole point of the prodigal son going through all that mess, which is a representation of the law, was to bring him to the end of himself so he can say, it is better to even be a slave in my father's camp than be living under the law. Right. That's where the church is going to come to sooner or later. I would rather be the least in my father's kingdom than be living under the law because all the law does is tell me how miserable and sick and disgusting I am. And they come running to the father, and the father is waiting there. Oh, call me daddy. And it took a while. And then the Lord showed me, he said, Zach, you had a father, but you have an orphan spirit. You have a father but you have an orphan spirit. You know, in the story of the prodigal son, there wasn't just one orphan there. There was a boy that lived in the house under the same roof as the father and yet had an orphan spirit that didn't understand the love of his father. And then when his father celebrates the returning prodigal, he goes, I've been with you all my life. How come you never threw a party for me? He said, son, every day with me is a party. You were so full of yourself to notice. You were so busy struggling and striving. You could live in the Father's kingdom and live under the law. You can be in church and listen to the grace message and strive in different areas of your life. When the Father is trying to say, everything I have is yours. Being a son is different from being a slave. Being a slave means you got to work to get what you need and what you deserve. And so you strive and struggle to earn it. But when you are a son, beloved, you receive everything that is the father's. It is yours. It is yours as soon as you become a son. first thing about orphans if you're taking notes please do i encourage you orphans are never secure in their relationship with god they always feel like it's their repentance that restores their relationship with god they're always nervous about the next sin that they do that as soon as they sin they lose that fellowship with god but a son knows that his relationship is secured with god forever forever an orphan is always striving to please God. Can you feel the presence of God here? Is it me? An orphan is always striving to please God. He's always working hard. He's always trying to do things. He's always trying to give so he can get God to love him. He's always trying to pray so God can love him. He's always trying to fast so God can love him because he just has that orphan spirit. But a son receives and walks in favor because his relationship is secure with his father. An orphan always tries to medicate his alienation from his father. He always tries to medicate his alienation because there's always going to be a void. I don't care if you've been saved. There's always going to be a void in you that you will always try to fill. That nothing can fill but the father's unconditional love. And so you will go from relationship to relationship. Drug to drug. Man to man. Boy to boy. Girl to girl. Woman to woman. Alcohol to alcohol. Trying to medicate the alienation that you feel from your father. But a son walks daily and receives daily the father's love. And therefore lives a fulfilled, complete life in the presence of God. Orphans, they're always living in competition. Because you're always a manifestation. Of your revelation so if you feel like you have to earn the father's love you have to do better than that other person to earn the father's favor There's a big difference between favor and kissing up some of us pray like if I can just pray that long God will love me more than he loves the other person I know people you think I'm talking crazy I know people that spend 21 days not seeing their husband because they want to get into the favor of God Pentecostal people godly people living in constant competition and then when somebody else gets the healing, somebody else gets the job, somebody else walks into the favor, by doing nothing, you get mad at them. How would you get so much success at such a young age? You're too young to have so many big crusades. You're too young to have so much success in healing. <sighs> a son always operates from rest. And a son always celebrates another. Orphans, easily offended and always lose their temper. When you know that your love in God is secure, you know it doesn't matter what someone says to you. Even if they are trying to offend you, your heart is secure. Why? Because my identity doesn't come from your words, it comes from my Father. When my father says, I am perfected and complete, if you call me a bad word, it isn't going to affect me. You know who is the one that gets affected? The very one that was actually thinking that until somebody else with a bad word confirmed it. And so you feel the need to defend yourself and prove to somebody who you really are. When you know who you are, you ain't got to prove nothing to nobody. If you are the son of God, prove to me. Come here, Satan, let me whoop you. (laughs) <laughs> no, you don't have to prove anything to anybody but a son walks in love and walks in honor Donovan was talking about that earlier honor I'll teach on this in detail next week But an orphan always works hard to become successful and everyone is a means to your end of success come on now But a son knows that they're already blessed and therefore they serve to be a blessing. An orphan always walks in fear and never trusts anybody. Know someone like that? Fear of commitment. Fear of relationship. You've been hurt before. You've been grieved before. And so you never want to trust again. Will you let the Lord heal your orphan heart today? heal your orphan spirit. John, come. A son always walks in love. The love that casts out fear. Love is not a feeling. Love is not even an atmosphere. God is love. God. (sighs) I feel like I'm standing under a waterfall of God's glory right now. I can't tell you it's been so hard to preach this message for me God is love I'm gonna ask you to really be honest because this I see people get offended so easily that are in church I see people getting so easily afraid and you go from relationship to relationship thinking that that relationship will fulfill me when actually it's only the Father who can fulfill you. For you workaholic men, your job becomes your identity and you get your joy and your kick from how hard you work. And only God can be the one. It wasn't very long ago that I had to get my orphan heart healed and I'm going to ask Brazen Grace. We don't want that spirit in this church. If there's somebody that's willing to say, Pastor, I really, even if there's a hint of that, and we all got hints of that. I went home and every time a church member leaves, I cry. And sadly, more people leave over the most unbelievable offense that you won't even believe. And I went through this in, the, in this year when a lot of pain when I went through a lot of heartache and pain this year. And I said, God, why am I hurting? Because this is not just the fact that I love people. This, is, this hurts. He said, Zach, your identity comes from how they treat you. And when they leave you, you feel worthless. Your value comes from whether they stay with you or leave. And when they leave, you feel worthless. You have an orphan spirit, boy. Your security in your marriage... Orphan spirit. Your need to want to kiss up rather than honor. And there's a world of difference between the two. Honor. If God made us just like Him and He told us to forgive just like Him. Listen to me. God's forgiveness is not complete without Him justifying. Meaning it's God's way of looking at you as if you never sinned. Meaning you are not capable of doing that. You never did it. And yet you hold these wounds in your heart for something somebody did. And hold it and treat the person based on that. And treat everybody else based on that distrust. And you walk around every chance you get reminding people of that. You know why? It's an orphan spirit. And it needs to be healed today. If you're somebody that gets angry all the time, orphan spirit. If you're walking in fear, and you're like, but I'm a new covenant believer. Why am I afraid of losing my job? Why am I afraid of losing my husband, my wife? Why am I afraid of losing my friends? Orphan heart. When you are complete in Him, and God heals that orphan heart, you know how many old people I minister this to over the world? Up 80-year-old people that fall on their face crying for all their life they carried an orphan spirit. What a waste it would be to live all your life offended carrying an orphan spirit rather than knowing that I'm complete in Him. No longer is another human being the source of my identity and my life. I'm complete in me with Christ. And you want to be honest and say, that there's areas in my life where I act like a little orphan. I act like I don't belong. But I really want to act like I am secure in God. And I'm asking you to be honest. My leaders in this church, my ministers in this church, I minister to you on a weekly basis. I'm asking you to be honest with your heart. Honest with you from the youngest to the oldest. Honest. I don't care if you grew up with a great home I see people who have great moms and dads walking around offended orphan spirit And sometimes like me you just felt like you got to the daddy god part and you finally overcame it and you called him daddy but then 15 years later you find out you're still sometimes just don't get it and you got to come back to that place and say God heal my heart heal my heart God I'm broken heal my heart, God. I'm broken. (laughs) I thought about this and I said, what do I call my message? I I thought I'm calling it daddy issues. (laughs) What do I need to do, preacher? Just receive. Just receive. Just receive. Another minute. Just receive. Just receive. receive that love, receive that love, it's real, it's real, and you can feel it right where you are, it's pouring like oil from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet, His love, His love, His love, His love, His love, He brought me to His banqueting table, and His banner over me is love.
1: If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can repeat this simple prayer with me right now, wherever you are. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you as I am and receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for me. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is my Lord. I am yours forever In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today for this teaching. We would love to hear from you. You can write us at ZCIM P.O. Box 592675 San Antonio, Texas 78259 for more information on ZCIM, please visit us at zcim.org or on Facebook and Twitter at ZCIMOfficial. God bless you.